Hey guys, what's going on? This is David Avalon with another episode of Breaking the Guard with me and Robert Drysdale. And in today's episode, we welcome our first online guest, which is my brother, Marcos Avalon. Marcos is out of Miami, Florida, where, of course, we have our school together, the Freestyle Fighting Academy. And on this call, we have a good amount of fun <laughs> between me, Rob, and my brother talking about the variety of different things going on in the world. We don't really focus too much on coronavirus, so we got that out of our systems in the last episode. Uh, but we are practicing social distancing as we were all using <laughs> video conferencing to get together. But we do talk about making use of the time that you have, uh, particularly now where everybody's, in the, at least in the U.S., is quarantined, so to speak. Um, a lot of people might use this as an excuse not to do anything. Or my brother talks about how this would be actually the opportunity, especially for serious competitors, to get ahead where everyone else is taking time off. You could be working on things that most people don't want to work on. And uh, they touch upon uh, mindsets, uh, mental toughness, a whole bunch more. It's a very interesting conversation. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. So go ahead and tune in. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsor, which is blackbeltpsychology.com. Black Belt Psychology is my brother's course that he made after analyzing and studying our mental approach to competition. So this is pretty much a blueprint to how me and my brother set ourselves up to compete, and not just to compete, but just to train in general. Uh, it's a culmination of a variety of different sports psychology books and concepts that we've learned from over the years. And, you know, most of these books, they're great, but they're not based on combat sports. You know, so it's a bit of a different approach. So uh, this is his interpretation of how it would make sense for a competitor. And pretty much every fighter on our team has to read this book. And as a result, it's yielded great results. So I can't recommend it enough because, like I said, this is my approach to competing. And I get that type of question all the time. And this is my answer. Read Black Belt Psychology. It's uh, available as a 10 DVD course. And uh, it's also an ebook, And there's also a notebook that goes along with it. It's a really, really in-depth course. It's, it perhaps it's not the sexiest thing. Like, oh, learn flying reverse umapladas, or it is a very powerful tool to have. So, if you're a competitor or you're just somebody who wants to achieve a black belt mindset and have that toughness, that confidence, this is the book and this is the course that you want to take. So, go ahead, visit blackbeltpsychology.com to learn more and order. Hey guys, what's going on? David Avon here with Robert Drysdale and our special guest for all the way from Miami, Marcos Avon, my brother, of course. Welcome to Breaking the Guard. How are you doing? Doing great, Dave. Doing great. Thanks a lot for you and Rob having me on here. Great to and have you. We're man. in a special edition, a social distancing version. Yeah. <laughs> Even me and Robert are 
separated. I, I, I'm like, like, like you want to come things. near me? And Dave's like, I don't know. Let's do this through Zoom. And I'm like, all right, okay, let's do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, it's um, it's scary. It sucks. Uh, every It's like day one. Like, the curfew in Nevada started today at noon. And I'm already bored out of my mind. I'm like, <laughs> about to pull my hair out. I, I just posted something on Instagram about having my students come to the park tomorrow to work out. So we're going to meet at 5 p.m. at the park by the gym to do uh, like some exercises and some visualization, throw some punches in the air. Uh, that's, all, that's all we can do. We can't, we're not going to, you know, we're going to respect social distancing, but I got to keep people active and I, I miss teaching and I miss being around my students. So uh, I just can't be too too close to them. That's it. But we're gonna we're gonna throw a class in the park tomorrow. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty wild, man. Um, we got shut down as well, obviously, and uh, and uh, it's for us it was a huge culture shock because like our gym's open twenty four hours, seven days a week, like literally twenty four hours. This is one of the few twenty four hour gyms, so we've been running like that man, I want to say like maybe a dozen years or so. And uh, so like people, it, we're never closed. Like, like even when it's New Year's Eve and stuff, we'll have like, we'll have a, one practice that day, you know, like we'll, we'll put all the class into one session, you know, so like the gym's never truly closed. And right now when we closed down, there was people that were shook. Like uh, we had like students saying like, wow, like this thing didn't hit me until FFA closed down, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so like, I, I, it's very weird. It's very weird night to be running fighter training or anything, you know, and and uh, it's just it's just, a, it's just a unreal experience, man. Like doing, we're doing online classes now, like a lot of the schools are doing, but uh, we're making the best of of a really bad situation. But it's uh, wow, I'm speechless to be honest. Yeah, I didn't expect that we would be in this situation. Remember, I, I thought you know some people would be weary, you know, like I said, like. They're endangered populations, elderly and uh, immune compromised or people with pre-existing conditions. I didn't think it was going to be a total shutdown, let alone now. At least Las Vegas, I heard 30 days shutdown. And Robert, you were saying down, they upped that to 60? Uh, yeah, 30 days in, in, in Nevada. It's uh, no yeah. small businesses operating unless it's like a, an essential business like pharmacy or something like that. Restaurants are only allowed to operate if you pick up, you can't eat at the restaurant, right? Only for pickup. Yeah. So they, you know, they found a way around it. They should be okay. But like we're in the industry, the most difficult industry possible, especially, especially with grappling. Like I compare grappling to like having someone with coronavirus sneeze into your face every 30 seconds for an hour straight. <laughs> that's, that's grappling for you. You know, there's bodily fluids going everywhere, man. So For sure. uh, I'm not too excited about the prospects of the next month or two. And that's assuming that things normalize after 30 days, which I think that there's, uh, you know, a chance that they won't. What I try to do is I try to make something good out of every bad situation, right? Like I, I've always tried to have like a positive out. I can be negative at times, but I try to spin things in a way that how is this going to work in my favor? I think that the comeback when it does come back, is going to be every person who wasn't even coming, wasn't even like they were thinking about coming to the gym the day that we're back in business and everyone's the government's like, you're safe to go back. It's going to be like, like a flood of people running to the gym and they're going to like, I just want to sign up. And I think the signups should be even higher than they were. Had we not had a coronavirus crisis, right? Maybe well, I'm being optimistic. 
But, no, no, I think yeah. I think there's uh definitely gonna be like a like a cabin fever kind of element going on where the second people get out, they're gonna like if people are feeling feverish right now, like I don't know how everyone else is handling. I guess people have their own way of grieving, but like I'm eating snacks like crazy, you know. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're gonna so, get fat. No, hundred yeah. percent. I'm totally gonna get fat. Yeah. So like so like most people are gonna go through, you know, two things. One, weight gain, and two uh, lack of activity and, 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 and that cabin fever kind of thing. So yeah, I think there's a lot of validity that people want to go and sign up for things. But I do think that all the, the gym owners should start now with their online courses and stuff, because right now there's no alternative, you know, like, like, and you want people already, you know, connected to you and familiar with you right now. So when they do get out of their like kind of metaphorical prison, they'll be coming straight to you, you know, and that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, that the online will, 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 will help people stay in the game mentally when they're training. Cause man, nothing's worse than just breaking away from your routine. Like two weeks is devastating to a routine. You know, if you're yeah. out. Especially what that happens to when you're training every day, you get, you're used to getting the endorphins, right? And the endorphins are like any chemical that goes through your body becomes addicted. Any chemical, the good ones, the bad ones, yeah. the ones you, the poisonous ones, like everything becomes addicting. And you know, you get the, the high of like, finishing a workout and people are missing that now right so people are used to working out once or even twice a day they're like going through cold turkey right now like i guarantee you they're like kids doing like push-ups in the living room and no no amount of like you know watching videos on youtube or instructionals or online training is going to fill that void what it will do is going to keep your mind busy you're still involved in you know in, in whatever martial art you're into well, but you know it's well, you see what i'm doing endorphins. what i'm doing is a little different i think you i think it's 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 not the same at all ever it's going to be the same what i did today was pretty cool i used what we're using now zoom and what i did was i haven't i haven't gone to the grappling realm yet of making this a workout but with the striking i had everybody doing like a, a shadow boxing routine on a whistle just like if we were in class make people do sprawls and stuff and one student had like one i mean not that they're reliable but one student had one of those watches with the calories oh i burned 453 calories you know so the point is that they got a, a sweat out of it so yeah. I, I think i think it's possible but it's not going to be the same you know it's not going to be the same i mean i mean it's but at the same time it's as good as it's going to get considering that they're locked in solitude you know so what, what, what I decided to do was, like, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw my post earlier today. I, I mean, I just posted like an hour ago. Uh, I invited all my students, their friends. Uh, we're sending an email blast to all of our students, inviting everyone to come to Davis Park. David knows Davis Park. It's right next to my house in the gym. And it's a huge park, right? So you can easily fit 100 people and even have, like, eight feet distance in between them. And we're going to do, like, some striking, like, some shadow boxing, like you're talking about, those, some punches, some knees. We'll do some visualization. I've always liked to visualize. A lot of people don't have the habit of doing that. But, like, I think that is – that was always my drilling. I never liked to drill, like, you know, as in, like, repetition. Number two, repetition. I thought it was boring. It just – it wasn't fun to me. But I, I would drill a lot in my head. And there's a lot of evidence that shows that if you can see yourself going through the motions and you that becomes – the part of your like your nervous system can like you know can, can read that motion and add as if you were actually doing it right 100 so yeah i'm sorry well, no 100 percent. yeah and then you know i i want to run them some visualization drills and then some exercise we'll do some push-ups some some uh some balance exercises like there's a ton of way of working out with your body weight 
So, so many different ways we can, you know, we can spin this and keep our students engaged. But it's, um, you know, it's not the same, you know, like people want to. Yeah, it's it's never, it's, you know how we tell people that when you train for a fight, like sparring, it's never going to be exactly like a fight, but you're going to get as close as you can to a fight, right? Yeah. Um, This online training, it's going to get pretty, you can, if you do a good job, you can get pretty darn close to actual training, but it's never going to be actual, you know, physical face-to-face training. But considering the circumstances, it's, it's good enough. You know, it's going to get, it's going to be better than them watching, like, it's true what you said. If you watch YouTube, it's not interactive. See, like, I found that the people today were working out sometimes, believe it or not, harder than in the gym because they weren't sure if I was looking at them. Because <laughs> like, yeah. I'm randomly calling out people. And they're like, oh, crap, he's looking at me, you know? And they don't know when Big Brother's watching, right? But when you're at the gym and you walk away for a second, they can kind of, okay, I can slack a little bit, right? So um, what you were saying about, about the visualization, I'm 100% in agreement with. It was what I was telling everyone today. Because to start this, online, start this online course, it's, it's going to be mostly striking. It's just inevitable. I'm going to try to do a grappling course on Tuesday and Thursday, a grappling class. And I told everybody, find a neighbor, find a spouse, you know, find somebody that you can partner up with. But mainly it's going to be just drilling positions and moves because if their partner's not experienced, they're not going to be able to get that, you know, that action going. But for the striking, I told them, look, if someone told you right now that you're, you, they weren't, you never fought before and your first fight's be against a guy with 60 fights, what do you think? And everyone's going to have a little, a little bit of a shit when they hear that. Whoa, 60 fights, right? Yeah. But I didn't tell you the guy's record. Yeah. But just knowing that he has that experience of 60 fights, it means something. And what is that when you think about it, when you try to quantify it, all it is is memories. All it is memories. Like right now, you know, you have X amount of fights, I have X amount of fights, but at this very moment, what is it? It's just a memory. So if you're able to have an active enough imagination when you're shadow boxing, you, you can try to get as close as possible to mimicking those memories and make a lot more gains in your, in your, in your training. It's never going to be the same memory as an actual fight. No one's saying that. But you can get a lot more juice out of that, of that fruit of your, of your shadow boxing if you could really get imaginative. I try to tell people, picture the height of your opponent, his hairstyle, his skin complexion, uh, how his hands are. Is he breathing hard or is he relaxed? Is he, you know, is he like a Muay Thai-looking fighter? Is he trying to go for a takedown? Is he trying to you know, stay away from you and, and, and strike? And when you start shadow boxing, really get that visual going. You know, one thing I, I, I don't like, and it's just, it's the mainstream, is when you see guys shout boxing on one side of ass beating, you know? Like, they're walking around just throwing these huge combos, you know, never slipping a punch, never blocking, never leaning back. And to me, it's because they're not using their imagination. Because there's no fight you're going to fight a dude that's just going to sit there and, and, and let you swing all over them. And, you know, that's, that's a, that one thing I heard, I learned when I was in Cuba. I was boxing there in, um, with some of the, with the Olympic coach there. And one of the things he said, he said that the majority of your combinations when you're shadow boxing should be one, two, and maybe three punch combinations. I agree. His exact words were five and six punch combinations are fantasy, you know? And it's not that they don't happen, but they're a finishing sequence, right? Yeah. Like the majority of your combinations, especially in mixed martial arts where the punches have a lot more meaning, they're two, three punch combos. Not, not only that, I, just to reinforce what you just said, I, I, I've been more involved in MMA coaching now than I've ever been before. Uh, we're starting an MMA team. That's part of the reason why we're opening another gym and so. And I'm a, I'm a huge believer in one, two, and one, two, three, right? Because anything that, if you're throwing a five punch combo, that means your feet are in the same place for a long time. 
That's what that means. And in MMA, that's deadly. So MMA is a lot more fast paced. It's a lot more, to me, MMA is closer to point karate than it is to boxing. And the re, what I mean by that is those small gloves, they don't have to hit people super hard to knock no. someone out. Like there's a lot of power that's going to come from those little tiny little gloves. And plus, blocking becomes a dip, a, an iffy thing with small gloves, right? So the distancing and the footwork become bigger elements. Like that's your number one de this, uh, uh, defense is to be in good position with good head movement, following up with like short combos so you can get out of the way in case you miss and your opponent's firing back, right? So 100% I agree on that. And these are all things that we can reinforce, you know, through videos or in a park or we don't have to be in a gym to, to reinforce these things. So I guess, like, once again, looking at these things in a positive way, what we should be doing as instructors is, like, reinforcing things that we could do in the gym, but we end up not doing because we're just going to want to go at it with one another, right? You so, know, that's a great yeah. point, man. That's a great point because, like, like, a lot of – I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of instructors – they spend almost no time on the psychology part of, of training and the psychology part of fighting because, you know, no one wants to sit and kind of lecture the whole time. People have an expectation of coming in and grappling or hitting bags or sparring. But now we kind of like run out of options here when you're doing, you know, anything like it gets harder and harder to do just like live grappling in your house unless, you know, your, your sibling is a, is, a, is, a, is a color belt grappler. You're not going to be able to do that. But there's so much gains. You know, I, I think of I, – I was talking about this with my students all the time. I always think of that quote from, from the basketball coach, John Wooden, where he says, um, always think of the things uh, – focus on the things you can do and not the things you can't do. So, yeah. like, if you're injured, people think, oh, I'm injured. Yeah, wait, what you hurt? Your hand. Well, can you kick? You know, like, like – so, like, in this situation, can we go to the gym? No. And some of us – are in total lockdown. Like in San Francisco, they came and got out of their house, right? So like, they came and go to a park. Well, what can you do? Let's say their internet goes out and they don't have internet. Can you read about martial arts? I mean, like, yeah. what can you do? Like, at this point, you just gotta think about the things you can do and focus on that. And uh, it gets harder to do that because I think people in general just have a negative mindset. It's not, it's not, it's not like a knock on people. It's just the way we're designed. Like if somebody you know, hits your car and takes off on you, hits and runs you, you're much more likely to tell people about that throughout the course of the day than if somebody, you know, hey, you dropped your wallet, give you your wallet. You know, you probably tell a couple of people, but if someone wrongs you, it's just much more like powerful in your mind. It's like the review thing. People are more likely to leave a negative review, like to run to the computer, leave a negative review, you know, run to the computer, leave a positive review. And yeah. I think that, um, that, that right now people are, are going to be more, their eyes are going to be noticing more of the bad circumstances of what's going on right now about things they can't do. I can't train. I can't do this. I can't do that. And they're not looking at, hey, you know what? I got more time to read up now on martial arts philosophy, uh, psychology. I got more time to study fights. I got more time to study these, these, these uh, instructional videos I've always wanted to get around doing. Maybe I can sign up for a class now with one of these black belts that are giving away you know, free online training right now. Like, there's, there's a lot of, there is opportunity in this disaster. I'm not saying that it's like, you know, a gold mine opportunity, but there is opportunity and people need to stay focused on that. There always yeah. is a definite opportunity here, you know, and every catastrophe, like you said, the rich are getting richer, right? Because sure. they're, they're able to find, like, as I joke, big poop is making big money, right? Bounty, Charmin, all no, those no, no, guys no. are Forget that. You know, you know my, Facebook, my Facebook feed is full of bidet ads. <laughs> yeah, the days are you know? up. Like right now is the time for the bidet, you know? 
<laughs> so there's, yeah. uh, there's definitely opportunities. So what you what you guys were both iterating, which is like the thing that you guys that people could be benefiting from right now is from the mental training, right? Nobody likes to do it. Everybody shies away from it. Everybody rather just spar and roll or do techniques. But what we all know what separates a champion from the average guy is not like this guy knows three different ways to finish Omoplata. It's his willpower, you know, and like the conviction that he has to win. And that can be developed, you know, through visualizations like Robert was talking about. I'm, me and my brother have been all about that early in and we would write our in our journals like a little story of what our visualization would be like and then narrate it, play it back on the audio as we're going to sleep or meditating to really reinforce it. So these are the type of things that could be happening now. And as you were saying, Robert, it has been proven to be very effective towards stimulating your nervous system so that it feels like it. I know for myself, when I do a vivid visualization, my heart rate will start bumping. I'll feel my yeah. chest boom, bump, 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 bump. And that's your body saying, this is actually happening and I'm getting excited and you know, getting my, most, my body ready to, to fight. So if you can do that just with your mind, it's a really vivid experience that it's gonna translate into real world experience. And as my brother was saying, like, if you can't separate the two of them, it's like sometimes my brother would tell me a story and I think it was me. <laughs> I'm telling people the story and one time I was telling him and he's like, yo, that was me. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, 100%. And, you know, I, I, I just going back to what you were saying, uh, what Marco was, Marco was saying was, you know, the, the, I think it's, there's a level of accountability that we take for, to, for us. What can we do with the tools we have? Right. Like you ever see that? Like, I saw a video of a guy like once, like he was born with no arms or he lost in an accident. I can't remember, but he wanted to learn the violin. He learned to play the violin with his feet. Wow. You know, like little, it's 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 just one of those yeah. things where like you can make excuses, but when you want something, you make it work. And, you know, I think those are always the people that figure out a way of being excellent at something is that they work with what they have because the truth of the matter is you're always going to have some kind of like, there's always going to be a hurdle. There's always going to be an obstacle now that like, you can go to the gym that's a huge obstacle but what else that we can do that we are not doing what one thing i always ask my students right like before and after a tournament i'm constantly asking them this question i ask them this are you doing on ask her honestly are you doing 100 percent of what you could be doing to maximize your performance and the answer is always no there's always something else you could be doing right and this is a time to reflect on what those things are yeah you can go to the gym that is crucial but what else can we do? And have you read Art of War? No, you haven't. Well, it's a must read for any martial artist. Have you, do you visualize? Have you studied your opponents? Do you know your bracket inside out, right? Do you know the rules you compete in inside out? Ask, ask IBJJF competitors how many times they went on the IBJJF's website and read the rules from beginning to end. And you'll be surprised at the response. And from my experience, like 99% of people, They've never even like thought about going on the website and reading the rules. No, for Rob, example. I remember in football, professional football, NFL, these guys are being paid millions of dollars and they don't know all the rules. I mean, remember back in the day when the guy would think that the, the, the play was dead and the play's not dead, he takes off, you know, like, like uh, I've seen instances where they, they didn't quite know all the rules and this is what they, this is what they do for a living and, and they're at the top level. So what you bring up is brilliant. You know, I bet you there's guys that don't know all the rules competing and they should, they should know every rule. Why not? Yeah. Especially now, right now, what else do we got to do? <laughs> and, and, um, and, and there is a lot of sports psychology books out there 
that doesn't hurt to get into them. Doesn't hurt. You know, if you can pick up one concept, one visualization concept that's going to help you out, one thing that will calm you down or give you more yeah. confidence, you know, now's the time to, to dig into those things. And uh, it's, it's any, I think any, any high level black belt will tell you that the biggest difference between a brown belt and a black belt is right up here. You know, brown belt and black belt, you pretty much know the same technique at this point. I mean, the, a brown belt can be in the game eight years, nine years, 10 years. The big thing that kind of makes them take that jump, that leap of faith, is, is right up here. And uh, there's, there's, you know, that's something you can always be worked on. You can always be worked on. You don't, yeah, you don't need to, yeah. There's always room for improvement when it comes to the mind. It's the, it's the key element. It's the most important element. It's the most difficult one to tweak. Yeah, and I think a lot of people shy away from it just because it is difficult and it's not really well studied. Like, normally instructors at your, you know, Joe Schmo gym doesn't tell you how to train your mind, right? And most people are only getting the type of mental training that comes like secondhand, right? Like people get discipline secondhand in martial arts because they're just always showing up and then you're exercising discipline, you know, without being force fed it. But I think the truly exceptional coaches are gonna try to run their students and teach them, okay, this is visualization, this is why it's important. Or, you know, this is why, you know, you need to be able to uh, use what we call the morphism, you know, the little, uh, strategies and whatnot and actually walk people through them or at least provide them with the materials that they can read so that they can capture on their own but again nowadays especially in this generation nobody likes to read you know what i call reading reading is like okay you we don't i like to eat broccoli and kale right but it's good for you we went in mcdonald's mcdonald's the equivalent of entertainment for mcdonald's is like like television and Netflix and TV series. That's McDonald's. You want, yeah. you want food for your soul, man. You need a good book. And then broccoli is like a good book. It may not taste delicious at first, but once you get used to it, that's all you want to eat. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I prefer the company of a good book than I do like almost every TV show out there. You see what I'm saying? Cause I'm used to that. And that's one thing that martial artists need to learn is that martial arts is a mental game and you train your mind, not by just training your body, you train your mind, by actually exercising thought like your mind should be constantly working out and you do that through self-reflection and a book opens a lot of those doors those doors that you didn't even know existed and like okay how can i think of this how can i think of myself how can i think of prep everything from physiology to psychology to philosophy these things all open doors for your own mind that people aren't always aware of that even exist Right. So these things got to be exercised, but martial artists just don't think of it. They think, oh, if I'm in shape, that's all that matters. I just got to know this new sweep and I'm good to go. And there's so much more to it. And, and right now is a good time while Amazon's still shipping things to buy the things you're going to help you train your home. You know, like uh, if you don't have, a, if, you, if you're into MMA or kickboxing, having a heavy bag in your home, uh, you know, even, even one of those century standing bags, you know, the ones that you put with a base full of water. Anything's be better than, than nothing. And, yeah. uh, you know, fortunately, you know, my home, I got my mats set up, you know, my dollar mirrors that roll up, you know, they're light. You know what I mean? Um, if you have the budget for that to get a, a, a set of mats for your, for your house, for like a garage, or even, a, you know, just roll out your living room if you have to. Um, you know, one of the biggest things for me and Dave coming up, he'll tell you, when we were in high school, we had our own, in our garage, we had uh, like a 12 by 12 wrestling mat. 
And man, we got mileage out of that map. And uh, yeah. it, almost, it almost made me cry when we sold it, Dave. I remember the guy who bought it and everything, Mr. Chris Lemos. <laughs> 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 and uh, we got a lot of mileage out of that map. You know, we would wrestle and wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. And that's another thing, too. You don't got another partner that's a high level belt that you can wrestle with, that's a challenge to you, assuming that you know, you're know you a blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, drilling. You just need a body to drill with. You know, uh, uh, if I have a buddy, in this case, I use my wife to drill takedowns if I need to, you know what I mean? So like, um, if you had a buddy, a neighbor, it could just be a body for you to just do 100 repetitions of your favorite takedown on, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Listen, I don't care who you are, 100 repetitions is tough. Yeah. And if you're doing it yeah. full intensity, you know, all the way to the ground. Bangs. That's a hell of a workout. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's, that's a full on. For most people, you're done. Like, yeah, that's a, tra- that's a tremendous. Yeah. And, and it's also psychological training. Because when you hit like the 30th or 40th rep, you start thinking like, damn, am I going to be able to make this thing? You know? And yeah. you just got to keep pushing, 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 pushing. And, and you don't need like a lot for that. You just need another body you know unfortunately if you have nobody you're a total hermit you got no friends you got no neighbors that'll come out everyone's afraid of you if you're coughing and sneezing everyone thinks you have corona it's a little tougher but hey you can you still got, make it happen you know you still, uh when I, I was preparing for adcc in my first run i was training by myself for the most part i don't know if you remember because at that time i was working at the nuclear power plant and i think i was getting out by the time most of the classes were already finishing so i would go to FFA by myself and there was nobody there and I would do an hour long shadow routine which it consisted of rounds it was I think 15 rounds of uh, three minutes each with one minute in between and it would be like shadow shots for one three minutes straight then it would be sprawl spin behind for three minutes straight then it would go into uh, knee cuts you know just sliding across the mat duck walks you know and it was just full 15 minutes going through that and uh, I mean, 15 rounds. And it, it was really tiring. And I found ADCC. I mean, I didn't win it, but I fought Damian Maya, Zachary, and, and I didn't gas. You know, I yeah, had the well, cardio. Well, well, there's a will, there's a way. You know, and yeah. when we want something, like we'll find reasons. Here's the thing: like a hurdle is not a hurdle when you want something. Like it's just something that you just have to. You just find a way around it. I think that a lot of a lot of times people are under the impression they want something. And, you know, the second there's a price to pay, they like, they start questioning what they want or they, oh, that's why I can't do it because there's a price, right? Whereas when you want something, man, like, yo, dude, I've seen, I've seen people like, you know, I've seen, I remember like there was one year, like 2005, I think like Leo won ADCC and he had a broken foot, you know? And he was like training like the way he could, like he could do, couldn't do much with a broken foot, but you know, like it, it, there's always when you want something, man. Like you, you'll find reasons to succeed, not reasons to not succeed, right? So well, it really is. Appreciate yeah, it. Like, it's so true. That's a great point. I, a lot of people would like things, and they confuse that with wanting things. Yeah. Like I, I would like a boat, but do I really want a boat? No. I'm, I'm. There's guys out there that all day long they're looking at Craigslist for like a banged up boat so they can fix it, and they they look up ways to fix it and save money. And, and there's guys that have a little jars all about their boat. You know, they're obsessed with boats. You know, why every kind of boat. You know what I mean? Like there's guys that want a boat. I I would like one if you gave it to me. Yeah, sure, I'll take it. And I think a lot of people confuse would like with want. 
there's a lot of people that would like to win a tournament and get first place and get the gold medal. And there's people that want that gold medal uh, all day. They're thinking about that gold medal. And like, you know, they're just marching towards that goal. And yes, I think what you brought up is true. You know, uh, people, um, uh, Dan Kennedy, he's a business motivational speaker. He said that people on average prefer good excuses over good results. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, if you take an average of all the excuses used, a lot of them, there was a good result possible, but it just would have taken so much more work to get. So there's yeah. almost a comfort behind a good excuse. Like, for example, why'd you stop training? Oh, because I got quarantined. And it's like a relief in a way. Like, I got quarantined. What could I do? You know what I mean? The reality is you could still train. If you're serious about getting your next belt, you're serious about getting your, your, your winning that tournament, this is kind of... I mean, if you're a true competitor, it's kind of a golden opportunity because like I used to, when I used to compete, I used to love the holidays, like New Year's Eve, Christmas day. Cause in my mind, I trained like an animal those days. And in my yeah. mind, odds are like, if you, if you look on YouTube, you know, I got videos of me doing this for years where on the, on, on the ball would drop, I would hit the, the road and start running with my, with my guys. Cause my mentality was, at that moment, all my competitors are drinking. They're kissing their girlfriends. So yeah. at that exact moment, I'm training and they're not. You know what I mean? So like, to me, this looks like one of those kind of situations for a true competitor. Well, right now, your competitors might be, you know, just getting fat on snacks like, like we're doing, right? And yeah. this is the time that you can, if you put that, you know, extra creativity and extra drive and motivation, and start shout boxing, doing shadow shots, Heck, put the bed up against the wall and start doing shots into the bed. You know, like like anything you can do to train while your opponents are not, it's a game. You know what I mean? And and yeah. they can't get it back if you keep running. I, I just fear that people are going to use this time not to actually do everything we're telling them to do. They're just going to spend a shitload of time on social media and Netflix. That's <laughs> that's like that's my suspicion what everyone's going to be doing but I, I, so, I, I, can speak, I can speak with some integrity i i lifted the, my in my garage i actually filmed it on facebook it took me two hours and 40 minutes to finish my weight training routine but i did it live so, that's really good see i don't have a weight room at home i got it down but listen i think it's human nature to want the good excuses i don't think it's a knock on people i just think it's human nature like like, we've all been there where we have that golden parachute of an excuse to use, you know, to a teacher. Oh, listen, you know, like, uh, I have this document here. I, I had this thing. I couldn't do it, you know, or my car broke down. I couldn't do it, you know. Like, there's like almost like a relief to it that it's just innate in us, and we got to push past that. You know, like, like nowadays, I'll get people that will call in and can't come to work and say, oh, my car wouldn't start. I'm like, well, there's Uber. Like, there was a solution. Yeah. You know, like there was a solution ideal. And now it's extra money you have to spend to get here, but there was a solution. So a lot of times there's a solution to the issue, but it's more work or more cost and people will fall back to the excuse. And if we can just, like you said, look for, look for all the reasons to succeed and the ways to succeed and not look at the obstacles, that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah I think you're, you're touching on a point there too, which is when we talk about work or like or school, most people don't want to do these things, right? So the excuse is they're giving them carte blanche to like, oh, I freed myself of the responsibility without looking bad. You know what I mean? But what they, what they really wanted to do, they got. You know, Because I think at the end of the day, most people get what they really want. Uh, I think the problem is most people don't know what they really want. They've never had that deep discussion with themselves to find out 
what they believe their true purpose in life is or what the true motivations are. Yeah. And they make excuses and these excuses are like subconsciously getting them to where they want to be, you know? So if someone doesn't want to work, that means they want to be at home and be a slob all day. And like some people are like, oh, like I get to play video games all day long now. It's like, well, I mean, you could do that whenever you wanted to technically. <laughs> you won't be able to do it for long once the bills get shut off, you know? But at a certain point you could. Yeah. I think I, I forgot which, uh, what was it, Office Space, where the main character, the guy asked him, hey, what would you do if you had a million dollars? He goes, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the guy's like, well, hell, Peter, you can do that right now. People on the street yeah. do nothing. He was, yeah, he was like, my yeah. cousin, he's been doing nothing for years. He had no money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a friend of mine in Brazil. He's like the laziest person I know. And he's, he's always like making fun of everyone for working, you know. And then we got this other friend who's like a grinder. He works two jobs, kills himself, got a family. He's got like, but he, he just got nothing to show for. He's been doing it his whole life, but he just never you know, made any money, just works a lot. So they're always arguing with each other, which philosophy is better. And then like the guy who's lazy, doesn't work. is like, look at you. Like, I don't work. I have nothing. You work your ass off. You also have nothing. We're in the same spot, bro. For <laughs> nothing. And it's, you know, I mean, obviously no one, I'm not recommending anyone do that, but I think there's some wisdom for people. <laughs> who know how to relax too and not be What's that guy's name? Maybe we need to talk to him. Maybe he has it all figured out, bro. Yeah, no, I, I he, he swears by his his kakuna matata. Like that's his philosophy of like zero worries, zero concerns, no responsibilities. I don't care. You know, the thing is like he's so charismatic and funny. Like whenever we go out, everyone ends up buying him dinner because he's like the, always like the funniest guy to hang out with. So that he gets away with it with his charisma. But it's it's true true story actually. Yeah, sorry I'm laying down by the way guys. My neck is killing me. Like I got a herniated disc that's flared up so like I can't sit up for very long without being in pain. So that's why Oh man, it's, it's cool. It's I, cool. Yeah. Not not being I'm not being I I it still looks like I'm being lazy, but it's 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 legit pain. <laughs> yeah, before the podcast i saw robin pop a couple pills and he's getting ready for you this. saw that yeah <laughs> like, look at look at like, no joke man yeah no joke man like i gotta i should get in a, like a minor surgery on my neck april 2nd for uh oh, wow. yeah to fix it because well it's not really surgery i mean it's a surgical procedure I'm getting inject my spine with cortisone not on the muscle on the actual nerve um I did look into stem cells, Dave. It was just like way too expensive. And right now with everything going on, I'm like, I'm saving where I can. My insurance is covering the, um, the cortisone shop. So I'm going that route, but I do recommend stem cells over cortisone for the record. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. No, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's only the second one. I'm like 38. It's only the second cortisone shot on my neck. So I should be able to get another 10 before it starts doing any real damage. Man. <laughs> Neck injuries, you don't need worried, more. Yeah, yeah, neck injuries is something else, man. Uh, I had a student once uh, break her neck clean, and uh, it was one of the worst experiences I've ever been through as a coach. Not one of the worst; it was the worst experience I went through as a coach. And um, she got she got suplexed and broke her neck. And when she landed on the ground, Rob, the first thing she did when she woke up was she looked at me and said, "I can't," because when she got knocked out. I remember thinking just, please wake up, please wake up, please wake up. And then when she woke up, I was like, 
please move. And the first thing she goes is, I can't move. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man. And, um, and then she told me, if you tell me I can walk, that I'll walk again, I'll believe you. And at this point, Rob, I didn't know if she could walk or not. And if I had to be honest, I was leaning more on the side of no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like the way it looked and the way she felt. And I looked her in the eye and I told her what I thought she needed to hear, which was, you're going to be just fine. You know? And when they picked her up, uh, I know it's a weird segue, but you brought up the neck thing and it just got me thinking about this. And we're talking about excuses and stuff. And I think it's a good story. So when they picked, when they picked her up, I told her, because I saw the guys looking at each other, because they did a test on her foot and she was having no reaction. They gave that look to each other like she's done, you know? And I told her, like, hey, Yahira, when they take you in there, the doctors are all going to tell you you can't walk again. Ignore them all. They're just, they're just that's what they do, okay? You're going to walk and you're going to walk. And when they took her to the hospital, the first thing they told us that she would never walk again. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And then uh, I saw that she asked to see me for the surgery and she looked at me and said, am I going to walk? And I said, you're going to walk. And uh, all she could do with all her effort was move her big, one big toe like this, Boop, just a little tiny movement. And her mom was praying hallelujah and stuff. I remember that. And the doctor goes, oh, that's good news. You know, that means uh, in about a year, she might be able to walk with, with crutches like for the rest of her life. Listen, I'm not, I'm telling you the dead fucking truth. It was maybe two months later in rehab, she was shadow boxing. She wow. Took no pain, she took no painkillers, nothing. She, since then, she's done about six amateur MMA fights. She's done two pro MMA fights. And she was set to do her pro boxing debut now, but that whole thing got canceled because of this thing. And uh, it was impressive. Like, like I'm telling you, like, like shadow boxing, like up in her feet, she didn't take one painkiller. I couldn't believe it. So, like, she had every reason to be like, hey, I'm done. But she was so determined to fight. That's all she wanted to do. Back then, she hadn't fought yet. You know, her goal was to fight. And uh, she stuck with it. Everyone told her it was a bad idea. She got a plate and two rods in her neck. But she, all she needed to know was that there was someone out there that did it. And she saw that Tito Ortiz um, had a plate in his neck, Pat Militich. Um, she saw that, that book, now it's a movie, but that book with Vinny Pacienza, I think it's called Fight to Live. And uh, it's a true story about when Vinny Pacienza broke his neck and then like defended his title. Like I think it was like 11 months later or something like that. He was training with a halo on and stuff. Uh, if you haven't read that book um, or seen that movie, the movie's pretty good. Uh, and if you're going through an injury that you, and you're bummed out, like thinking that this injury has ended you, watch that story. It's, it's really good. Really What's good. it called again? I think it's called Fight to Live. It's, I, I, I think you can that's just Google Vinny, Vinny Pacienza's story, it'll come up. I, and I think that's a good thing to mention there, Marcus, because we had quite a few guys that suffered some traumatic injuries that for most people it would be game over. And those turn out to be some of our greatest success stories. Like Jason Suarez is probably the, the one that comes to my mind right away who got into a motorcycle accident, you know, and they had to airlift him to the hospital. They thought he was going to die. He, sur he survived. And then they thought he would never walk again. And he was like three months later and he was grappling, you know, but they both had something in common, which is they had full belief in themselves that they would come back. And they did everything possible to make that happen. Like I remember with Jason, he would come in, 
uh, on the wheelchair once they released him from the hospital to the gym, and he would hit the bag from the wheelchair. He was on a walker, and I have it on video. Yeah. He was on a, on a walker. One arm propped in the walker, and the other hand hitting the bag like this. Like super weak, like a 90-year-old hitting a bag. And uh, back then, he had never done MMA, like not one fight yet. He was a yeah, he was belt. a blue belt. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember feeling bad for him because the doctor told me, like, he'll never fight. He'll never be able to fight. He'll never be able to train. And Jason was so determined. So I just told him, hey, look, man, um, you know, you can work at the gym. I started giving him a job at the gym just cause out of pity, like thinking like this will help him, you know, staying mentally in this. But he was determined. And uh, I remember it was a year later, he did his first grappling tournament and he got first place in the advanced division. And I looked at him and I said, I'll never bring up your injury ever again. Because I used to always ask him, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Because he was suffering in the beginning. He was getting mini strokes in the middle of training. I remember we went to Cuba to box. He came along. This was like maybe three and a half months, four months after his accident. And I told him, look, you can come, but no sparring, no like, you know, no getting hit. You're just going to like do techniques this and that. And while we were over there, you know, it's medicine's very cheap. Everything's very cheap in Cuba, unfortunately. Like, you know, a doctor gets paid like $15 a month. So uh, Jason was like, hey, you know, while I'm here, let me get some an extra battery of blood tests. So we get the battery of blood tests. And the guy comes back and goes, who do these results belong? Like, whose blood sample did we just take? We're like, that guy. And he looks at him and he goes, like, I have no idea how that guy's walking around. I'm like, what? And he goes, based on these blood tests, like, results, like, this guy shouldn't be walking around. He should be, like, bedridden. I don't even know how he's doing this. And he was training boxing and breaking a sweat and, like, doing kinds of stuff. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling people that are <laughs> that are – in a serious condition to get up and do things like that. I'm not a doctor. I wouldn't recommend anything like that. I'm just bringing up the point about how this guy, let's bring up the point about this guy was told that he wouldn't be able to do stuff. He didn't let it distract him from his goals and he found a way to make it happen. Right now he's 14 and 0 with 12 submissions. He's one of my, he's, he's the top black belt I have. And he's fighting Lance Palmer. Well, Hopefully, I don't know what's going on. If the zombies start walking around, they might cancel the fight. But he's supposed to fight Lance Palmer in, in, in the PFL uh, opening season match, uh, main event. Lance Palmer, if you're not familiar, he's the two-time PFL 145-pound champ. He's won a million dollars both times. And this time, it's going to be Jason's turn to get the million. And uh, that's just going to be his first fight. So it's going to be some fireworks. But it all started from someone telling him, hey, you're done. And I, and I don't know if you, uh, if you would disagree with me, uh, Rob. I know that you're probably going to agree because right now you're injured, but I don't know one black belt that hasn't had some kind of, I don't want to say serious injury, but an injury that would sideline most people, like something that's at least a six month injury. Oh, I'll, 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 be, I'll be honest with you. Like this same injury 15 years ago, 12 years ago, it would have not has stopped me in a million years. Like there's nothing, you know what I'm saying? Like I would have pushed through it. I would have ignored it, but there was a purpose to that. Like there was an, an objective, like I had in my head, I wanted to be the best in the world. Right. I don't have that goal anymore. Uh, the odds of me defeating Bushesha tomorrow are like, like one in a million. And I'm aware of this. I'm realistic about it. I'm not as active as I used to be. I'm all beat up. I'm not as sharp as I used to be, you know? So these things change with time and I'm aware of these things. And it's, you just got to be honest about it. I'm not going to bullshit people and say, yeah, yeah, I could hang if I wanted to. Yeah, I have no issues being honest about the fact that my heart no longer 
aspires to be the best in the world, right? I have different aspirations. Now I have different goals. That is a different phase of my life. But I think that when you have that goal, yes, like this neck would have not had stopped me, just like it didn't stop your student from, from hitting the bag with, with one arm, you know. But, you know, and when your priorities change, these things change. And then now it's like to go through that pain just to, what, to be in shape? Be in shape for what? You know what I'm saying? That's why I never understood. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. But, but People what I just mean is, jog for no reason. They just jog. But, like, why? But what I mean is, what I mean is you definitely got to your yeah. goal, black belt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, 100%. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so like a lot of people, um, they get, like, a knee injury or, you know, or even a neck injury or an arm injury, and it sidelines them for four or five months, and they get derailed off their goal, you know? And my point is that, like, all of us at some point get some kind of obstacle. The road to black belt is never, like, a straight line, you know? People think of, like, like white, blue, purple, brown, black. Reality, it's, like goes like around yeah. in circles you know you go you go f four steps forward five steps back like in many ways as gym owners this is one of those moments you know what i'm saying <laughs> like the, you know, yeah. and 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 I, I think you're gonna see i could be wrong but i think you're gonna see that the the more seasoned black belts are gonna do a lot better than the purple belts and, and brown belts that have schools and i think it's because we've been to these grinds we we've, we've been like not the coronavirus but we've been through all kinds of like you're telling me with your neck this is gonna be your second cortisone shot and stuff like man so some people they hear that and that's like <gasps> you know yeah you're, yeah you know what i mean and, and you're able to make light of it and i think you have a confidence in yourself that you're gonna bounce back from it because you've been through it you know confidence only comes via accomplishment in other words you can't be truly confident in something uh you know without like right now we're going to talk about uh skydiving and I can give you a million lessons on skydiving, but until you jump out of the plane and actually see your parachute open up a few times, you're not going to be truly confident in it. You're going to be worried a little bit versus yeah, the guys 100%. that have a gazillion jumps on their belt. I, you know, to them, it's a big joke jumping out of a plane, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, that as black belts, as seasoned competitors, we've been through a lot of, of, of setbacks and have conquered them or persevered despite of them so now things like this happen and yeah man i'm not gonna say that i'm not sweating it but been i feel I, I almost feel like i've been here done that even though i haven't if that makes any sense no but you you feel there's a sense of satisfaction there's no longer the i i know what you're talking about it's like the pressure is no longer there whereas before i felt pressure you may not feel pressure now right because your priorities now you have the priority to have like new students or you know, or growing your business or expanding your family, whatever your priority or people, you know, change. But like injury is one of those things where like, you're right. Like I can laugh at a neck injury now. Like I'm, I'm serious. Like I don't take in, I mean, there's some interest, like some serious stuff out there, but like to me, a cortisone shot on the neck is like, yeah, yeah. It's another day in the office. Right. Or right. for most people that would be, but that, that, that came through because, you know, I've dealt with so much over, over time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet. Cause to me, it sounds scary. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's probably one of the best benefits for people to compete in the martial arts. Uh, it's not that they need to win the medal or whatnot. It's just the experience of going through those hardships because yes. I feel like it's a great analog for the rest of life. Like I, I remember before my brother and I started wrestling in high school, 
we had never done an honest day's work in life. You know what I mean? As far as like struggling, like real struggle. Uh, or we would struggle to run the three mile Indian run in the beginning of practice. And I remember one day, I think it was like a couple of days into the practice, uh, you know, and coach Tierso Valls, shout out Tierso. I, I went up to him, I go, coach, uh, my legs are really sore. Can I take a break? And then he goes, hey, David, you know why you're sore? Because you've never worked out in your life and you've played most <laughs> video games all day long, you know? Yeah. So you don't really know what it means to struggle, <laughs> but go ahead. Go take a break. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. That's like <laughs> I got my man card checked right there. Like, I took like 30 seconds. Like, All right, now I got to jump back again. <laughs> but it, it was, he was totally right. It was 100% true. And, but if he, if he would have let me off the hook and let me break, it would have been like a very weak point. You know what I mean? Because then yeah. I would be making that excuse all the time because it worked. And, right? and this is the thing. And this is the thing. The physical body. And this is my opinion. The physical body, conditioning-wise, will fade. You know, if you just stay in the couch all day, it'll fade at a, a at a decent rate. But mental toughness, granted, when you're actively grinding and pushing yourself mentally, you are sharper, tough-wise. But for the most part, that doesn't go away. So, like, a guy who was a Navy SEAL is always a Navy SEAL. You know, a guy who was an All-American wrestler, he's always an All-American wrestler. So, like, so like if you find, like, some... Some some old timer and you you know and the guy used to be uh, uh, an all American or something like that and you know you t- you challenge him to go for a jog or something he's gonna push himself at a level that you're not ready to see like like back then when my brother and I we could barely run a quarter mile without stopping yeah. and I'm gonna tell you right now that there's no way that we were in that bad of shape physically it's just mentally we were so weak like right. I recently lost 30 pounds, so I, I feel like I can't use myself as an example anymore. But before, but before I lost the 30 pounds and I, was, and I was overweight, I hadn't done exercise in quite some time. And I can tell you right now, I was in terrible physical shape, all right? And in that bad of a shape, if you put me in the spot and challenge me to go for a run or challenge me to a sparring match, it's not that I was going to do great, like, you know, old competition Marcos, but... I outgassed a lot of people that were in far superior shape based purely on pure drive I had in my yeah. mind because I'd been there. I'd strengthened my mind. Whereas before, when I was 17, 18, I was just starting up as a kid, man, I, I, I would cardio tap like for anything, you know, like it was ridiculous. And yeah. a lot of people are, are well, still in that baby phase of their mind. You're not and, used uh, to being uncomfortable, right? Like they are not like when you're used to being uncomfortable, uncomfort is not like you put you you've pushed the threshold of uncomfort so much that that never goes away i agree with you like i think mentally i've never been tougher even though yeah. i've had i haven't had a hard hard workout in a long time in the sense where i pushed myself to my limits in a long time but mentally i know that i can do it if i had to and that, that there's no question about it 100%. yeah I, I think that's where some people like that's the disconnect right between someone who's never really pushed himself hard and they see you and like, you're delusional. Like, how do you think you can do all this? <laughs> but, you know, people who have done it like us, we know like, because we've been there, you know, like at the drop of a dime, if, if something's going down, like I'm ready. You know, I've been ready since like high school, right? Listen, like, I, was, once- I, was, I was sitting at 215 for how many years, Dave? Like four or five years straight? Yeah, you were bigger brother for a while. Yeah, and, and in, a matter of, <laughs> in a matter of what, it was a month and a half or two months, I lost all the weight and I've kept it off for like half a year so far. Hopefully it stays that way, right? And, um, 
And the main motivation was, what was it that got me doing it? Someone made a, 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 a some kind of fat comment to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was one of my fighters called me a Pillsbury Doughboy or something. And I was like, what son of a bitch. <laughs> like, I really look like this right now, you know? And, um, and, and it was like a switch I turned on. And I didn't have any doubt in my mind that I would, I would lose all the weight just because of what you guys alluded to. I've done it before, bro. I've done it before, you know, like, like, and it doesn't go away. I really don't think that kind of toughness goes away. And I think to me, that's the greatest gift that the martial arts ever gave me. Because tomorrow, yeah. I might never train a day again in the rest of my life. But the lesson, the mental fortitude I got from that is what takes me everywhere. Look, as a, as a dad, I work as hard as I can. And I, and I, I attribute that to, again, that, that grind. As a husband, I try to work as hard as I can. And it's, again, part of that grind. And then like right now with this virus, Bro, I'm filming these online videos all day. I'm juggling everything. I'm helping my kids with their online training with their school and stuff. And it's all because of that, like, wrestler grind that I got from that. That's why, that's why I made my, um, my, my, my wrestling coach from high school. He's the godfather of one of my kids. And that's why, you know, I still connect with him. He's still at my gym teaching at our place because I've, I've always felt that gratitude for, for what that wrestling started. And wrestling and martial arts, you know, if you're in a competitive environment, it's the same thing. It's the same kind of lessons you're learning. Um, yeah. Wrestlers are a little known. They have the reputation for being super tough. But the reality is that many martial arts schools teach with the same style of grind. And, and that's the best thing you can get, man. If you can get that mental fortitude. It's because they push you to the brink of collapse every day. And anyone who does that, whether it's the military or martial arts or, you know, wrestling, wherever you have that push, there's only one way to survive and that's shark tank and that's to be tough. Right. And, you know, I wasn't a tough child. I was not, not tough at all as a kid, but I, I was willing to step in the cage and fight. And I was, you know what I'm saying? Like I done conditioning rounds to the point where I couldn't stand up. I was so tired. Like I've been through these things, but they made me stronger. Right. And, and this, that you're right. Like that is the, tr the greatest gift is not to build the trophy. It's, it's the mental toughness that comes with, the training, the hard training, right? Because just recreational training doesn't necessarily do that. Maybe a little. It's you. You need that 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 hard push for, for like a sustained period for you to really get the benefits. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like uh, just echoing that sentiment. When I was in high school, I wasn't a great student, and I got through wrestling. When I got to college, I graduated top of my class. And the, the reason I was able to do that was because I had the mentality from wrestling. And I felt like the physical work to me is much more scary and much more difficult than hitting the books. You know, and I was like, I'm not going to let some other kid who's never wrestled before outwork me. You know what I mean? Like I can outstudy them. And at the time, my brother and I, we were, I guess, 18. We had the gym open in the same location right now in FIU and we were competing doing all that once while taking 15 credits and uh, we would just study cram do whatever we had to do to win while everybody else was partying or having a good time yeah. you know just like you do what it's got to get done right so like okay I got to study and to me my goal was always to be the number one guy in every class to score the highest I remember I would go to the teacher on one of the I was I think it was like calculus three or whatnot I had scored 105 but on the bonus, 
they made a mistake and he gave me 100. And I went to complain. I'm like, hey, you missed this. I got this right. I remember the other kid's like, whoa, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you don't need the extra points. I'm like, bullshit, man. <laughs> I work hard. I'm getting every point that I deserve, you know? So I think that that, that's, that work ethic, that toughness, it translates to all areas of life. And if you've never, like you said, Rob, like never pushed yourself in, to be uncomfortable, you would have been like me telling coach, hey, my legs hurt. Let me take a break. And you would be weak. You know? yeah. But the, the good news is, Contrary to what a lot of people say, I hate the expression like, oh, you know, you're born a fighter or, you know, like it's something that's like a genetic trait. To me, it's BS. Toughness is made and it's made by putting people in tough situations and them surviving. Yeah. You can make the argument that only certain people survive, but okay, whatever. But if you don't put yourself in the tough situations, you will never know if you're capable of surviving. You know what I mean? So if you're shying yeah. away from it from the beginning, you never have a chance. You know, so I, I feel like Having that in your back pocket is such a powerful tool. And I feel that's why like, everybody, if you're, if you're training in martial arts or wrestling or football, whatever you're doing, you should at least compete once just to get that thrill because well, I, I feel that extinguishes a lot of fears. Like I think they say the most common fear people have is public speaking. You know, well, you think speaking and stuff, you imagine fighting in front of a crowd. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I agree 100% that Look, I, I nowadays, yes, I, t I train fighters, but the vast majority of my students, I want to say 90, over 95% of my students are, are recreational uh, train, training people. Like they're just doing this for the health benefits and for self-defense. So like my, a big part of my focus is on self-defense and on that aspect. But that being said, I think everybody, if I had a choice, should do at least one, bare minimum, a grappling tournament. Because... Yeah. Um, the adrenaline you get is yeah. not something that you can truly replicate in a gym. And that will make your training better because now, even if you never compete again, you know what the threshold is going to feel like when the adrenaline spikes in there and a grappling tournament, a match is not the same level of adrenaline as an MMA fight. I can tell you that, but you now understand the taste. There's a similar taste to it. And, um, and for, and you know, a lot of the things we're talking about right now is hardcore in the sense of like, we're talking about like hardcore competition stuff, but for the recreational and self-defense uh, uh, person listening right now, the best way you can help build your mental strength without having to be like trained till you puke or any of that, just a way of kind of, you know, jogging your way up your mental strength is to never cardio tap. So like, I don't know if that's a mainstream term or not, but basically like cardio tapping is when you're rolling with somebody and you're having a tough roll, and the guy just passed your guard, mounts you, and when he mounts you, you just tap, you're like, okay, okay, that's enough, all right? So to, to me, um, for me, one of my criteria to promote you from white belt to blue belt is that you can never cardio tap. Like, if, we, if I see you cardio tap, I can't promote you. It's just something I, I don't do. <laughs> and, 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 the, and, the, and, and the reason, because what that tap is, it's, it's, it's not that you're tired. You are tired, don't get me wrong. But you didn't do that tap when, he, when you were on top of him or when he was in your guard. You did it when he mounted you or got side control because, in a way, you don't want to get tapped out. And you think there's somehow, like, more honor, like, in just getting tapping, like, saying, I'm too tired versus him tapping you out. And in reality, there's a lot more honor in him arm-locking you than you just giving up because when you gave up, that was all you. Yeah. You know? There's no discussion. But when he arm-locked you, he had a, a part in the equation, right? That's true. Whether, 
whether you didn't like fight hard enough, it doesn't matter. If he didn't arm lock you, there was no tap. But when you cardio tap, that's all on you. So what I, and why do people do it? Because they don't want to get tapped in this. They, they don't want to feel that this guy beat them. So you didn't beat me. I stopped early because I'm too tired. I'm too tired again. It's another excuse. So the better thing to do is if you're totally tired, where you're about to cardio tap, let him tap you out. And what you're going to find out is that when he goes to that submission, there's going to be so much pride involved. You'd be like, no. <laughs> and you're going to fight for like, let's say, 10 more seconds. Well, congratulations, because you just pushed yourself 10 seconds past a, a threshold that you thought was your limit. You thought that this was your limit. You're about to cardio tap, and you end up fighting for 10 more seconds. And you keep doing that, and you keep adding 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds. And now you're developing genuine toughness. But the cardio tapping thing, don't do it. Just let – if you're about to do it, let them tap you. And you're going to see that it's going to make you push harder. And the reality is this. In battle, this is not my quote. This is a quote from the ancient Greek soldier Archilochus. In battle, you never rise to the occasion. You always fall back to your level of training. So, like, in your imagination, if you think you do this, you do that, you're going to do this in a fight. If you ain't doing it in training, it ain't going to happen like that. Yeah. So, so what's going to happen is if you're used to tapping out when times are tough, in a real fight, you can be looking for that cardio tap. And guess what? That cardio tap ain't going to exist in a street fight. It ain't going to – well, in a competition fight, it'll exist. But <laughs> it's not a desired result. But in a street fight, it will not exist. So yeah. eliminate that from your option choices, the cardio tap. So that's yeah. like – if the only thing you got from, my, from this talk is, is, is that one point and you're a cardio tapper right now, man, you, you walked away with a tremendous value because if you can el eliminate or re drastically reduce that cardio tap, just eliminate it. It's not easy. It, this is an attitude thing. This is not a technique thing. This is not a cardio thing. This is an attitude thing. Just do not tap out for no reason. Let them submit you. Don't tap out for no reason. You can activate this tomorrow, and this will make a big difference in your game. I, I always refer to that as like the biggest lie ever told. That, the biggest lie any fighter will ever tell himself is that when I compete, it will be different, right? Yeah. And you're exactly right in the sense that you, are, you will react exactly the way you are used to reacting and training because training is reinforcing a habit. And when you're gassed out, rocked from a punch, or just mentally breaking, you're going to go back to your default setting. If that default setting is quitting, you're going to quit in the fight. It's just that you have to trick. You have to prepare yourself in practice to perform the way you expect to perform. Um, guys, really quick. I, I got to go now. I got to give my kids a bath. I know that I could keep doing this with you guys for another hour, <laughs> but that duty is calling and uh, I got to go. It's uh but it's, it's time for that to go. But I, I, it was a pleasure. Marcus, thank you so much for being on the show. Man. Oh, my pleasure, Rob. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, man, I wish you best of your neck. I hope your neck uh, gets a full recovery there. It'll be fine, man. Really I'll survive. I've been through this. has happened before. So I'll, I'll be okay. Oh, and, uh, yeah, let's get you on the show again sometime soon. You know, I'm cool. sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anytime, man. Anytime. Okay, sure. Awesome. And uh, I'll give my brother a plug. He was too modest to plug himself. I can't do that, man. That's why. You, you can check my brother out on marcosavalon.com, and I'll put a link in there. And he also has his own course on martial arts psychology, which is blackbeltpsychology.com, which I highly recommend to people as well. It covers a lot of the concepts that we were actually talking about here. So make sure to check it out. And again, thanks to everybody. 
be safe during these wild and crazy times, and we'll catch you on the next episode. All right, stay remember, healthy, people. And remember, guys, the zombies, they, they come back from the dead. <laughs> I feel like I'm in zombie town. Like, I'm in, like, a zombie movie now. This is a, a trial run. Like, legit, legit. All right, guys. All right, guys, have a good one. Be safe. All right, ciao. Peace. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. As always, please leave any comments, like the videos, and all that good stuff that helps get us up in the social media platforms. And, you know, if you can watch this on YouTube or pretty much any podcast medium that is out there. But we always appreciate shares and, and feedback, so please do that for us. And um, yeah, this is something that was a lot of fun to do doing the online uh, teleconference. So we'll probably be doing more of these and looking to improve the audio quality a bit. But uh, overall, I think this will be a, a great new uh, type of episode that we can do more regularly, especially now where this is going to be the new normal for a while. So I hope everyone stays safe out there during these uh, wild times. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. A final word from one of our sponsors, which is DrysdaleBJJOnline.com. So look, you're stuck at home anyways at this point, and uh, well, most of us at least. So if you don't have a, a way of training, the next thing, best thing you can do is train your mind. And with Robert Drysdale's BJJ Online uh, courses, you can learn a whole bunch from home safely, practicing social distancing. All right, so. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but it is serious. But if you go to DrysdaleBJJOnline.com, he has a whole assortment of courses there, very affordably priced, and uh, recently had a new course put up with Felipe Andrew, um, Straight Foot Locks with a Gi, which is covering this particular, un- particularly unique way of applying the straight foot lock. Uh, definitely a must-see. So go ahead, visit DrysdaleBJJOnline.com to learn more.